Welcome back to this episode of Country and Cold Cans. I'm Logan sitting here with Trucker, Andy, and Kyle. Be sure to give us five stars and a great review wherever you get your uh, podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Amazon, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, we're there. This week, we have a very special guest that we're excited to talk to, Mr. Adam Hood. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. We, we definitely uh, appreciate you taking the time because I, um, I probably came across... You're, I'm one of those nerds that whenever there's music I like, I like to read the songwriting credits. And I've been doing that for many, many years. And I saw your name pop up on so many songs over the years. And then I think I had heard a couple of your songs like years ago. And I was like, I, I like this. But the first time that I saw like a, a performance of yours on YouTube, I think was two years ago. It was uh, Riley Green's Golden Saw series. I think you were on oh, episode two. And uh, right. I, I, saw, yeah. I saw that and I was like, I was like, I got to dive some more into this guy's music. And that's, you know, kind of what led us into uh, some of your older stuff. And then when harder stuff was dropped, we covered that. And I was like, um, when I had the opportunity to have you on the show, we couldn't pass it up because uh, Color Me is a big fan. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't consider it nerdy to read liner notes at all. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I think it's something that's, you know, it's kind of like knowing Latin, strangely enough, though. But I mean, you know, it's funny because. When I got started, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. So when I got started playing music, the guys that, that I wanted to be like and the, the, the guys that I appreciated the most were guys that really, that was where you saw their names the most. And, and so, you know, it's funny how you, you give yourself 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and, and times change dramatically to where by the time, you know, by the time you work yourself up to a level to where people are seeing you in liner notes, nobody has liner notes anymore. So, <laughs> right. But it's all right, though. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Uh, so um, I think the first thing we do want to mention is all of us have had the opportunity to listen to uh, your new record came out on the um, on the 16th. Uh, Bad Days Better. Big fans of it, man. Big fans of it. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to listen to it, too. I mean, I know sometimes it's hard to take a chance on new music. And so uh, it's a, it's a really special record. I mean, just by the, the people that participated in it, you know, it's, it's been a special record. So, uh, so it means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Cause you had uh what was it? Brent Cobb was the one who produced it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, Brent is an old friend of mine. I mean, I start, I met Brent, this was like 2009, 2010, maybe. And I was at Carnival Music, which is the publishing house in Nashville. I was there for my first, I was in my first year there. And I don't know that Brent had even moved to town yet. But he, you know, they were, it was, he was in the courtship process of, of writing for Carnival, and, and which is a company that he's still with now. But um, uh, we met and we, we kind of hit it off. We're from close to the same area. He's from that Richland, America, Georgia area, which is about two miles, sorry, about two hours. Uh, east of, of where I'm from. I'm from Opelika, Alabama, so I'm about 30 minutes from the Georgia State line. So we knew a lot of the same people and played a lot of the same places and, and uh, just had, had a lot in common. So so that's where the whole thing started, and uh, it just kind of went from there. You know, we've, had, we've been friends a long time, and he's probably – he's he's certainly seen me at my worst and, and is the most honest as far as what, what he hopes to see from my music. So. 
Oh, yeah. Brent Cobb's an incredibly, incredibly talented dude, both as a performer and a songwriter. Uh, he's another one of those guys that I discovered through reading liner notes and then, like, you know, got into his music after that. But um, if I'm if I believe I read this correctly, uh, you, you had a lot of the guys from Blackberry Smoke uh, um, involved with the record as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, this was probably one of the best things to come out of COVID for I mean, in, in my opinion, for me and in my life, too. And so uh, we basically went down to Capricorn Studios in Macon, Georgia. They, that was a studio that, that had been pretty dilapidated, and then Mercer University went in and bought it and, and restructured it. So they opened it back up in December of 2019. Well, March of 2020, the world shut down. And, uh, and so, which in August of 2020, number one, there was weren't, you know, a whole lot of studio time that was being absorbed. Number two, nobody was doing anything. So my manager, Ben Ratliff, called uh, Trey, um, their manager, and, and that was pretty easy. He was like, what are you guys doing? They were like, well, nothing. Well, do you want to come make a record with Adam? And they were like, well, sure, we don't have anything else to do. And so uh, it was, I mean, if we, if we tried to do it now, it would have been an impossibility. But, but I'm glad we did. It was really neat. And I mean, I, you know, there's, I, I have the most utmost respect for those guys. It was Charlie played guitar. And then Britt and Richard Turner with the bass player and the drummer. So they were the, they were the participants in the record. Oh, yeah. I really That's- like to, like how uh, this, when you see their names and the credits for it, how that you, you don't hear it right away. But once you see their name, like, oh, I can definitely hear their influence uh, in these songs, but it doesn't sound just like them. It's a very good mix of all of it. Thanks. Yeah. And I mean, that was the cool thing was, well, number one, Brent uh, didn't give Charlie any demos like they they went in like we all showed up on monday with no idea what we were doing brent had gone back and listened to all my songs i mean he had i'd given him a list of 10 and i think he liked four of them and, and so he had four and then out of the four that he liked two of them were, were ones that we were going to record so none of us really knew what to do but i mean he went back and listened to like 250 songs and my whole catalog my back catalog so yeah he really did his homework and um and didn't didn't divulge any of that information to any of us until we got there and so uh i think it the good that was the good thing it kind of it allowed it allowed a lot of spontaneity and it allowed us to not none of us to be able to overthink any of this we just went in and kind of you know served the song and and that's a that's a really cool thing it's it's really nice to be able to do it that way and especially with those guys i don't I know it's an Adam Hood record. I know it's my record, but it, but it, it, I don't feel like it's mine. I feel like that there's that Brent has enough invested in it. Charlie and them have enough invested in it. We know Miranda has enough invested in it to where like I, I if I'm able to to go kind of you know plow a little bit more and do a little bit more work with this record because I know that people like that are invested in it. If it was just me serving my own purposes. I don't know how, you know, I might not work as hard. So it's pretty neat. It really is like having, uh, like you said, all those names that, you know, people recognize that are, are into roots music involved is a cool thing. And then, um, that's kind of cool hearing the backstory of, of how you, uh, Brent listened to that many songs. So how did you settle on, uh, those 10 songs? Was it just working with Brent or was it just the ones that just felt right or? Well, we had, I mean, it was time to make a record anyway. And so, so Brent and I share an apartment in Nashville. We, we both rent an apartment from Randy Rogers. And so, but it's a one bedroom apartment. And so when, when Randy's there, we, he has the space, but when Brent, if, if Brent's there and I come to town, then one of us sleep on the couch, vice versa. So anyway, uh, we were at, in the apartment at, at the same time, just kind of sitting around small talking. We're talking about a record 
And uh, and so I kind of just shot out a, a song or two and, and he, he told me what he thought about it. It was like, man, I like this. I don't like this. And so we just started through this process and, and you know, we got talking so in depth about it. I said, well, why don't you just produce a record? He said, well, I mean, I've never produced a record before. I said, well, you know, this is a lot more conversation than most of the producers I've had. Have. <laughs> so it's kind of a no brainer. And I mean, it was, yeah, he jumped right in the driver's seat and it was, I mean, you know, my plan was totally just to trust him. I knew I could, I mean, he's, he's close enough of a friend and we've known each other long enough and we've written enough songs together to where I knew that I could just completely just do my thing. And I mean, granted, you know, if, if, He'd have thrown something out there that I thought sucked. I'd have told him, but but honestly, <laughs> you know, I'm, he really didn't give me a whole lot of opinion that I thought was wrong. And so it's cool to be able to kind of have someone like that that knows you well enough to have the same opinion, but can step outside of it because I don't know. I, I don't know what I. I mean, I know what I sound like, but I don't know what I sound like enough to where I can say, "All right, I want to do this song as opposed to that one." I just go record the stuff that I like and hope that it works and and that's good but it, it sometimes you've got to understand your audience and and this was a good opportunity for me to start to understand my audience basically you know because brent is my audience and his family is my audience and the people in Ellville, georgia are my audience and so it was it's, it's been a pretty cool experience a change of perspective for me though for sure oh yeah so like the when it comes to like talking about the the record specifically, like one of the things that really stuck out to me sonically was it's just overall it's a very groovy record. Like mm-hmm. I, it, it's it's still rooted in country music, obviously, but it has just like this soulfulness to it that I, I really was drawn to. And 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 uh, some of that too is not just the production; it's also in your voice. Like you have a soulful voice um, uh, as it is. So it's like what, was that just something that like kind of what you were saying that just kind of happened naturally? in the studio or was that kind of like you, you and Brent kind of sat down and talked about it and like, this is kind of what you were aiming for. Yeah. That, well, that was kind of the point. And I mean, that was, that was Brent's, the, the, the big broad stroke was Adam, you sound like this and you've never represented yourself like this ever before. I mean, this is like what I, I think it's like my fifth, sixth studio record. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got like eight or nine that I sell to people, you know, but, so, I, you know, out of all the stuff in my catalog that I've written, that I've released and stuff that I've written for other people, like, I, that's the stuff that I'm the most rooted in. However, it's the stuff, you know, I mean, it's kind of like bad fiddle. You know, you, you either play it, you either play the fiddle right or you leave it alone, you know. And so, right. like, blues is kind of like that, too. And that groovy kind of stuff, you either represent it or you don't touch it, you know. And so that's kind of how I always felt. I felt like it was such a. I, you know, I, I didn't feel worthy, I guess, to, to, for lack of a better word, to, to kind of go in there and, and do the more bluesy things. And, you know, that was the biggest thing that Brent got out of me. I mean, you know, I know we have I have other songs that, that may have been more poignant or something like that, you know, and, and things that that had, you know, five dollar words instead of the things that we chose. But at the same time, like the vibe of the record was what we intended to do. And, and we intended to do it because of the fact that I because I mean. Man, you know, Delbert McClinton is that's what I love. Delaney and Bonnie is what I love. Platt is what I love. I mean, you know, I, I like Steve Earle stuff, but I'm not as much of a student of those kind of artists as I am of, of the ones that that really, you know, there's a difference between someone that you study and someone that that you can represent. And so, you know, I just I don't, I don't feel like I was able to represent myself 
as well until we did this record. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. That's it's like you're saying, like too, you're going for facing towards your audience too. It's you know we're only we're from a couple hours north of you, really, but you know, in the it does feel very it feels very authentic in that you represent it the it's a, for example like speed of the south like it just feels like something i would have grew up you know around it feels very yeah. familiar i guess be what i'm saying right and and that's the cool thing about that because you know i mean you listen to the context of that song and and, and if 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 there was more aim to that song i would have hurt a lot of people's feelings but there's no aim to it you know what i mean like it's just my it's just how i feel i mean honestly to be honest with you, know the the whole context of that song was the fact that when I started playing music in Auburn University, and when I would go to Alabama or places like that, these college towns, you know, everybody wanted to hear Allman Brothers songs and and songs by the band. They wanted to hear Ophelia. They wanted to hear The Weight. They wanted to hear The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Well, you go try those songs on kids now, and nobody's they don't know those songs. You know, nobody knows. Yeah. They don't feel you, and so it, you you kind of date yourself with, with songs that were classic. And so that was kind of the point, you know, and, and so I, I appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that it, it came across like it was meant to come across. Yeah, for sure on that, because like Andy and I were both talking about uh, from the moment we were listening to it, the Speed of the South was an early standout for us. And it's kind of remained one of our favorite tracks on the record, uh, both lyrically, we can relate to it. And then it's just a jam in general, sonically. Well, um, and we responded to it really well live, too. I can you can kind of. You can kind of tell that, that once we're on stage and once we're playing it, that people are, they, they're more responsive to that song than others. Oh yeah. So Andy, what was it you were saying earlier? Um, I don't, I don't want to take your, your thing you had about uh, just like Adam's music in general about the, the Southernality of it. Yeah. The, the two is that, is I saw too, it's like, it's very good, simply Southern songs. It's, it's, simple is part of what the south is and it's and i've said too is that that simple songs are very hard to come do well because i think when you're it's like what you says when you're only using five dollar words instead of ten dollar words that you don't have as much to work with it's it's very tough to pull it off and it's it just very well pulled off the simple southern the whole thing all the way through very well which i think is very hard to do yeah, well, and that's, you know, I mean, it kind of goes back to the entire less is more thing. I mean, you know, that's in, in, in art in general, the simpler you can make it, the more you can say with less, the better it's going to be, you know. And, and, and so that's kind of always been my, my aim and kind of my life's effort to, to sort of try to say less with more because there are guys that are great at it, man. I mean, you know, I mean, I've heard John Mayer songs that are just that are that are perfect almost but then i've heard <laughs> Tim- I, know, I, know. I know no 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 no, no, no. Kyle, uh, kyle's laughing because we have a joke here on the podcast i'm the only mayor fan on the podcast and these guys roast me for it so he started laughing yeah. the moment you brought up mayor i know yeah, I, yeah. logan loves some john mayor <laughs> there's two schools of it i i totally get it yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway but uh, i mean i i tend to agree with you there's a classic saying that if you're explaining you're losing yeah and if you're like, take for example a debate. If you have to explain away your position, for the most part, you're losing. Same goes for a song. If you're just throwing more words at it, a lot of times it doesn't work. And I think you on the album, you've done a phenomenal job with. Like I said, it's not a lot of twenty and thirty dollar words in there, and it's 
none of your sentences, none of your verses are wasted. Is yeah. what I took away from is what I took away from the album. There's not a lot of, I call it a snow job. Yeah, it says nothing, only words. That's what yeah. snow stands for. Um, I mean, and who it, wants to talk to you like that? I don't want anybody right. to talk to me like that. So why, why would I even? You know, why would I talk to anybody like that in conversation? Much less in my music. Something that right. like this has staying power. This is the stuff that my children, you know, like when I'm gone, my grandkids are. I, I, this is my representation. You know, right. so. I mean, you know, I probably say a lot more cuss words than I probably should. For my <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a crazy thing when you really sit back and think about it. Uh, our grandparents, great grandparents, for the most part, we we have no idea who they were. Yeah, but yeah. really, starting with your generation and our generation, we will live on forever. This podcast and you know your music will. You know, your grandkids, great grandkids can just pull it up and listen to it and <laughs> hear what your voice sounded like. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy thing. And it, oh, man. You know. It's so interesting because it's funny you say that. I'm, I'm glad you did because, like, with my grandmother, my mom's mom, you know, she, she was the best at storytelling. And, and, and so, you know, but before she passed away, and she's been gone, yeah, for a long time. Uh, and so, but before she died, my, my aunt actually got a cassette like recorded her telling stories on cassette tape. But that's like for my kids, like that's the only representation that they'll have. And and so it's really, you know, you hold on to those things. They're really special. And also it's nice to have more than just that. You know what I mean? Because right. Yeah. Still with that, like it's just this one little avenue of all the wonderful things that, you know, grandparent for us. So that's cool. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's good yeah. to know. Yeah, like I said, I, I think you did a great job with the record. Um, Thank you. My my favorite song on the record is is Bad Days Better. Um, mm. Was there any self-reflection or is this just kind of you wing it or was there a... I mean, the song is about just having an, in my opinion, you can tell me if I'm wrong, just having a optimistic view let's just let everything roll off the shoulder we're not even going to worry about it You're, i mean that's, you know. that's absolutely it i mean positive outlook and the cool thing is about that is like you know bad days better was one of the songs that was a newer song so so songs like okay speed of the south was, was newer bad days better was new harder stuff we hadn't even finished that one when we went to the studio but like don't do it i've had that for a while uh, flesh and blood i've had that one for a while so songs like that, like I've had those for a while, but you can you can kind of tell in the context. I mean, you know, of course, the you know the elephant in the room with with that record was you know me, me getting off of drinking and stuff like that. But in in that in that process, there's a lot of you know there was a lot of well, what caused you to drink in the first place. You know, I mean, if if you have nothing to be upset about, well, what the hell are you escaping from? You know, and so that was that was the I mean. During COVID and, and even a year before that, I mean, that was my life. You know what I mean? Just just kind of just sitting around thinking about those kind of things. And so, you know, positivity is is, is kind of learned behavior. And, and I've always admired people that were positive, but I start, when you get to know those people, you realize that they, they, didn't, they didn't shoot out that way. You know what I mean? Like it's usually, sometimes it's, you know, it's trauma that makes people like that. And and with me, you know, it's it's certainly very much a work in progress. I still have, have my moments, but, but, uh, it's, it's just, you know, and it's, it's harder initially, but it's easier on your life, you know, to just yep. kind of, like you said, <laughs> let it roll off your back, man. Well, like I said, 
I really vibe with the song because like I said, we're a little bit younger than you, but starting to get to that age where I was, I was fairly a hothead in my younger twenties. Uh, <laughs> we're all approaching 30 here. Uh, but I'm just getting to the point where it's just not even worth it. I don't even care. And I really vibe with that song because of that, uh, you know, just, yeah, there's some, some BS over here, but I'm just going to just let it go. Yeah, um, I know. You can either let it go or you can get on blood pressure medicine. I mean, it's up to you. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really want to be on blood pressure medicine. No, so, um, pressure medicine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I vibe with this song hardcore. So, and like I said, it's a heavy hitter right out of the gate, which I really respect uh, any artist that puts, not to, don't take this the wrong way, but that just puts a heater at the beginning of their album. Yeah, thank Cause you. Because it, it, it takes a lot to, this is not, you know, don't say it, but it takes a lot to just come out of the gate hot. Well, so, we, knew, we knew with this record we had to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a, yeah, I really respect that. Thank you. And we couldn't ease into it. Like, you know, there's a, there were there were definitive statements that, that, that it was time to make sonically, mm-hmm. lyrically, you know, stylistically as mm-hmm. a human. You know, so and because it, it hooked out. me. It hooked me off the, off the first song. I was like, yeah, let's go. Good. I'm glad to hear it, man. That's great. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm all for, you know, just diving right in. Good. <laughs> so, so it, one thing I, I wanted to ask you, because like I said, I'm, I'm that guy that loves reading the songwriting credits. Like, um, you're a well-known and well-respected songwriter, uh, you know, outside of your own music as well. And like, one thing I, I always, I'm fascinated to talk to songwriters that are actually like, they, they are the songwriters behind, you know, a lot of songs we hear. And do you approach it differently when you're uh, writing for your own record versus writing in a room for someone else, or is it a similar process? I mean, I've always, you know, my attitude has always been, if I can, you know, I, if, if nobody else will record it, I'll do it. But, you know, at the same time, there's two ways of looking at it. Like I, it, it's either like with females, it's, it, <laughs> I'm not going to go in and write a song from a male perspective. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to write a song with a female complaining about my problems I have with my wife. She's not, we're not going, we're not going to do anything with that. But, it, but also, you know, you kind of want to serve the artist. You want to serve the collaborator, but you want to serve the song too. And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, but the other side of that is the, is the fact that like, People call me for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, there, there are things that I do well and there are things that I can't do at all. And so I've always wanted to be that because, because I had that understanding. There's, I've always wanted to be the kind of guy that people say, if you, can, if you want to do this, you need to call Adam to do it. And so, you know, for, for me, that was kind of the point to, to collaborating. I, you know, you kind of know what you're, you're not going to, you're not going to call me and expect to get this this really elaborate electronic pop song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, It's similar to what I think I heard. uh, I think it was Craig Wiseman. I heard him say one time that when he first got into like the songwriting circles, he said that he was like the tempo guy. They knew that uh, when they needed some tempo, they would call him up, you know, when he first started. So that's interesting. And see, I I think that makes sense. Cause when I, from what I've seen, when I've read, like, you know, uh, especially it's more prevalent on mainstream records than it is independent records of, you can kind of tell when you listen to the song, um, who probably some of the songwriters are. 
And it's yeah. just like the people's fingerprints are all over it with the type of uh, lyricism they use, the the way that the, the the song is written from whether it's built with a track or whether it's done, you know, a little more organic, organically or whatever. I and mean, you normally can kind of get a sense of that. Yeah. And I didn't realize I had so much of a fingerprint until it took me a couple of years. You know what I mean? And it was like, well, man, I can really hear that song. And it sounds, sounds like you wrote it. And then I thought, well, golly, I, I wonder why. You know, so after a couple of years, I sort of, you know, I, I could kind of see my my fingerprint enough to know that, okay, here's what I like about it. Here's what I don't like about it. Here's the stuff that I can, that can make better. Here's the stuff I need to leave alone. So it's, you know, it's, it's all kind of, man, it's all a process. I mean, just trying to make every song better. Oh yeah. And cause, and even if you look at uh, some of the more uh, well-known collaborations you've had with mainstream artists, whether it's Miranda or Riley, like, you know, those two are a little bit more of the more organic rootsier artists within the mainstream sphere. And then I saw you had uh, multiple cuts on like the new Muscadine bloodline record. And that project is different from previous uh, eras of their music sonically. So it's like, you, like you said, you can kind of see that stuff. And it, I think it's even exhibited in the artists that cut the songs. Well, and I mean, it's, that's a, the Muscadine record is a good example of that. You know, I mean, Gary, Charlie kind of reached out to Brent and I and said, look, we want to make this record. This is what we want to do. So give us three or four days. And I mean, we went in, I think we had four days and we wrote, we wrote, well, we wrote six songs on that record, five songs. And then we wrote that new single, Evan Rudin, and then uh, maybe one or two more. So we got a lot out of that. I mean, it was two a day for, for three or four days. Oh, wow. <laughs> is it is that do you ever like it uh or is it just more natural at this point do you ever kind of get like songwriting burnout churning out that much in a quick period of time i i go through cycles like i mean it's i don't like i'm in kind of the cycle right now where like i'm not really coming up with a lot of ideas like the context doesn't come to me as easily but because i'm not so concerned with, with that like i can get into a room and knock out your second verse pretty fast. That's kind of my way of doing things. And, and I've learned that from Brent because Brent is one of those guys that like, you know, he always comes in with the first verse in the chorus written already, which is kind of the song, to be honest with you. And I mean, I've, I've said this a thousand times, you know, I mean, it, going in and writing with him is kind of like cheating, you know, because, but at the same time, here's the deal. You still, he's still got to like it. And so, you know, there's... <laughs> Songs that, I, that he's got the verse in the chorus and I've thrown out the second verse and he's hated it, you know, so, but nonetheless, you know, you got to fit into the style, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a great second verse writer. I'm the guy, I'm, I, I'm, I suck at hooks. Um, I, I'm, I could do bridges if you want me to, but I'm a great second verse writer. And see, I think that personally, like, I think that the second verse in my mind is the hardest one to write just because the first verse, like you're coming up with the idea and you can kind of go anywhere you want with it. The, then that kind of informs the chorus unless you add the hook first. But then the second verse, you don't want it to be just a watered down rehash of the first. So Correct. in order to make it quality and to actually have it say something, that's always the more difficult part in my mind. Well, and that first line is just as important as the hook line, too. I mean, like you said, you got to grab them. And, and if you don't grab them within the first four lines, they're probably not going to get to the chorus anyway. But if you can get them to the chorus, then you, you've got it. that you get them to the second verse before they turn it off. And, and man, you know, that's like I agree with you. That's when you really put the icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. So when would you say like, because I know that coming up on, uh, I think it's October 22nd, you're making your grand old opera debut, right? I pretty exciting yeah i am yeah are you nervous I, that's, i'm not even as i'm nowhere near as nervous as i'm gonna be 
I am nervous, yes. But I, I mean, like, I, I wet my pants. So, I mean, I just get nervous anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I get nervous before, you know, the show's on Tuesday. So, this Opry thing is, I mean, we're talking about my dog on clothes and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be nervous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would be too. I, I, I couldn't do it. I would. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do it. I mean, there's so much history there. It's it's, it's an honor. It really is, and, and it was really one of those things that I didn't even realize that we were shooting for that. You know, and I kind of, you know, my my publicist and my manager called and said, "Hey, you got a you got a gig on the Opry," and I thought, "Wow, I didn't even know that I have my name in the hat or something like that." You know, but uh, it was really it was it's really it's I realized how special it is now. You know, it's, it's it's country music's pat on the back, you know, and so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to have the opportunity. So, is this the first time you get to go through the artist entrance there? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, not even as a writer. Like I haven't, I've, yeah, I haven't even walked in there with Grant. So I'm actually going there for the first time myself. Yeah. Oh I mean, wow. That, that's, okay. It's a heck of an honor. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. So uh, with now with you having that milestone in your career with the Grand Ole Opry, let's rewind it a little bit. What would you say was kind of like the first big, quote unquote, big break you had that kind of kickstarted your career, both as an artist and a songwriter? I mean, I, I'd say Miranda, my relationship with Miranda. And but, you know, that's one of those things where, like, I didn't realize the benefit of it for a long time. You know, I mean, even. Even now, like, I mean, I, it's taken a while to sort of be able to realize, oh, wow, but she's kind of the person that discovered me, you know, I mean, and so, you know, I had a, had a pretty, pretty serendipitous meeting with her, like, I don't know, 2000, 2006, maybe. Um, it was before that different groove album. So I think I made that record in seven. I don't know. It's been a long time. But, uh, but she, you know, it's just, a, it was a meeting that turned into playing a birthday party that turned into a publishing deal that turned into, the you know all the people that i've met turned into you know what i'm saying like you know it's mm-hmm. just it paid off exponentially and man she's been she's been behind me all the way and her you know her parents are super sweet i mean in fact you know we're in the middle of a, a two-week run and i mean the first night out we went and stayed at their house and so, so it's, they're just wonderful people and they should always continue to be Oh uh, yeah, because it's Kyle and I always talk about uh, uh, Miranda a lot whenever she has a new songs out on the show. Because we're like, we're like you said earlier, we're twenty eight, so like we grew up right in that era where we were like middle school when she was like hitting it big first. So we've grown up listening to Miranda from like middle school on to being pushing thirty now. Big fans of hers. So like, what yeah, was a little the- more, than, little more big fans. I have a make her make a crush on uh, <laughs> <laughs> Miranda. Whatever. But yeah, beside the point. I just I don't, I don't blame. So, yeah. So she just real well. I mean, just, I mean, she, cause she's, I mean, I mean, man, she's, that's, that's the top of the heat, you know? I mean, that's as big as it gets, you know? And, yeah. and she just is, man, she's all down to earth for somebody that's as big as it gets for someone to be able to respond so quickly. It's cool because, you know, you, and forgive me for being this way, but sometimes you, there's, you know, you start out a certain way, then you kind of have to pilfer through this, this wall of, of, of arrogance and, and, and I know a lot of it's just, in, you know, a lot of it's insecurity or just not, not having chops or not knowing what to do. But then you kind of you, you get into where, where people like her are, you realize, man, they're just special people, you know, and she's, man, she's a special person. So how did you first, uh, like have the first encounter meeting Miranda for, like you said that she, she booked you for a birthday party. Yeah, so I was playing a I was playing a place in Texas, uh, New Braunfels. Uh, they they 
to Americana station there, KMBT, used to do this thing called Roots and Branches, and it was uh, Wally Hubbard uh, would host. So he would bring in two acts a night. And, uh, and so I was playing it that night, and it was this place on, called Tavern on the Green, and uh, it was right next to this bed and breakfast. Well, you know, her car had broken down, and she and her mother were on vacation. And so they said, we can't get to your car till tomorrow, so just, you know, you'll have to, you'll have to wait. And so they, they said, well, we'll just get a, a let's go stay in this little house. We'll go over there and get us a drink. And uh, I mean, as soon as that's what they did, and I was playing when they walked in. So, sorry, and Casey Musgraves with it too. So, so yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty. <laughs> yeah, right place, right time kind of thing. <laughs> Once in my life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. Uh, I always joke with the guys that timing is not Logan's thing. <laughs> but, uh, but so, like, when it comes to like, uh, kind of like going on now that you've kind of been established as a songwriter and then you've also put out, you know, around five records now, which you like in, in your own heart of hearts, which do you prefer? Do you prefer the writing room or do you prefer playing like live shows and playing your own stuff? I'd much rather do the writing stuff. I'm being on the roads hard, you know, I mean, just because, because I got little kids and I'm an older guy and, you know, just that there's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of people doing it. There's a lot of inconsistency. I mean, you know, you think about it every night you're in a different place. And so you kind of never, I even, I heard Drew Barrymore say, you know, you have to learn how to be comfortable with, with, with discomfort, you know, and I, I'm kind of with notes quoting her on that. And I thought, that's an interesting perspective. And so that's kind of living the traveler's life. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's, it's the difficult part. I enjoy it. I mean, the 90 minutes that I'm on stage, I love it. I mean, it's what I, what I do. I mean, I, I started playing for people before I started writing songs. But but yeah, it's the hardest part, and, and there's nothing more satisfying than finishing a song. I mean, nothing. It's the most. It's just the biggest burden lifted, and you know, not not even. I, I don't even necessarily have to feel burdened when I'm, you know, when I walk into a writer's room. But man, it's just a it's a it's a, a wonderful feeling finishing a thing. Did you come from a musical family, or were you like one of the first ones to pick it up? I mean, my father was a he was in, he was a forester, and my mother she I mean she was a real estate agent when I was in high school. And she owns a flower shop. And nobody, nobody could carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> they tried everything: footballs, baseballs, basketballs. You know, and so um, I, they just wound up. Well, hell, let's put a guitar in his hand to see what happens, and, and it, it actually took. So, <laughs> hey, it, it some, it's funny how this stuff works because my mom can can sing quite well me and my two sisters not a chance in hell um (laughs) (laughs) no chance yeah funny how that works you know i mean it's like the inverse of your family um (laughs) do you have any like special celebrations you know you finish a song finish an album that you've collabed on do you you guys do anything special when you uh finish finish no and i'll tell you why because i because i feel like it jinxes it you know, I feel yeah, like okay. I, I like your conspiracy mentality. Yeah, I know conspiracy theorist too. Exactly, and so it's it's like you know, by by, by celebrating I, that makes me rock back on my heels, and when I rock back on my heels, I get knocked off my feet. So that's kind of how I've always looked at it. So okay, I am interesting. We you know we we you know high five and stuff like that, but like ritual celebrations, I don't I, I'm I'm scared of them. Mm, okay, yeah, I find that really interesting. Yeah. Superstitious, yeah. More, <laughs> yeah. More conspiracy, yeah, for sure. 
Andy, you look I've like you're about to say you, something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. You've said a lot. You seem very self-aware of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Or how much do you think that has helped contribute to your success? That sounds like something. That's the person I would want that knows what they can do. I mean, it's it's kind of my trajectory. I mean, it's what it's what I wanted to do. And, and you know, I, I feel like I'm probably more self-aware in my career than I am with anything else in my life. But that's most of us. But um, I just want to be able to do that. And because and. Because, man, I mean, with music, like, there is so much. I mean, I, you know, I, I went to study jazz guitar for a little while. And so, and I, I failed miserably at it. Like, I went, I thought my college years were going to be studying jazz guitar. And, and not only did I, you know, I, I can't read music. And so I, so I tried to start, I tried to start learning how to play guitar at a college level for someone who can't read music, number one. And then number two, I was a freshman going into this college and I saw all the guys that were seniors graduating. They were teaching guitar lessons for to 12 year olds. And I said, hell, I ain't going to do this. man." <laughs> so, so it made me rethink my steps. And by, that was kind of one of the things that made me start going, OK, you got to figure out what what is it that you want to do and, and, and pick your lane and try to stay in it and, and be the best you can. And, and the good thing is, you know, like you said, the Southern thing. Inside of the realm of Southern country, gospel, blues, music, there's a lot of stuff to learn. And there's a lot of different artists and there's a lot of history and there's a lot of future. And, and so so I, I got my work cut out for me, even staying in that way. Yeah, there's also a um, a lot of critics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that, that grew up on that, that if it isn't what it's supposed to be, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. Well, the good news is I'm at that age right now to where I'm probably their age anyway, so they can't say nothing to me about it. That's, you know? that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. As, yeah it's like uh, you were mentioning earlier how like a lot of times if you go to college bars now, the, the kids don't know the band and like, which is I, I'm a little bit of an old soul. So it's like I realized that I probably like am an outlier for even people my age group. But it just it blows my mind when I, I go and like to them. Classic music is Blink-182. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. I mean, you know, I mean, my sister-in-law didn't know what a record player was. You know what I mean? And I, I, oh, I can remember life before the internet, you know? So I can <laughs> play songs. I, so I, really, I think we're actually the last generation that will remember, you know, us three and, and you. But our age group is the last generation that will remember life before the internet. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it really did. I mean, just life is, is a completely different thing. Because mm-hmm. I remember having dial-up. Mm-hmm. My mom screaming at me to get off my uh, Xbox or PlayStation because she had a phone call. I think my wife still has an AOL account. I think she actually still, I mean, I don't know. I think she still has to get. <laughs> <laughs> it was classic times, you know, coming over from school, getting on AIM, Messenger, messaging <laughs> people. Yeah, that was the good old days. <laughs> Those were the days. That's funny, man. yeah man so um do you have any big plans to like tour um on this record like going on a a big tour for the rest of the year or maybe next summer or anything i mean we are this we're just pounding pavement basically i mean but i try to i try to save up for for new markets like we're you know we're going to try to go out to the west coast and next summer and but as far as like tours you know with supporting other acts we don't really have any plans so far. Um, and that's okay. I mean, you know, I've, I've got buddies that have, that have just kind of figured this out, plowing their own, you know, their, their own lane. So, so that's kind of what we're doing, but yeah, I mean, we're like this weekend will be, um, well, this week, 
I guess we'll be in New Orleans. I haven't been to New Orleans since the last record. And so, uh, and then, you know, a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll go up to like Kentucky area and I hadn't been there since the last record and things like that. So, so there are markets that are a little bit outside of home base that, that, uh, that I try to get to. So, yeah, we, I mean, definitely we're going to, you know, we're going to go tour to support it. I try to save up those runs for when there is a record. Right. So, uh, who are some of your, uh, like your top three favorite people to write with? Uh, Brent is one. Uh, Pat McLaughlin is the guy that I've written all my songs with. But, but like I wrote, I mean, you can go back to my, my catalog since the shape of things like the Tennessee will way too long. Like a lot of my singles I've written with Pat and, uh, and so Pat was just kind of, you know, a guy that, I mean, he, he was, he is to me what like he's about 15 years older than me and just has a cool perspective. And, you know, he, He's an older dad that that had kids that are older. You know what I'm saying? Like his age difference between his kids and him are just like that. So I mean, I've really looked up to him. Um, let's see who else. Uh, I said Brent already. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of other guys that I should be saying that I that I write. With. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of them. If they hear this, they're gonna be like Adam. How you didn't name drop me? <laughs> anything about me? What? <laughs> <laughs> Who's some people, uh, past or present, that you would love to get to work with, or got to have gotten the chance to work with? Um, I, I mean, I'll go, I'll go up get to work with um, Delbert McClinton. So John Hyatt is is the guy that made me decide to do what I wanted to do, but Delbert McClinton is the guy that made me decide how I wanted it to sound, and and so I've always kind of skirted around his life, and so I finally get to go on that Delbert cruise in, in January. So I'm going to put get on a boat with him, and I'm. He can't. He can't run for me on that damn boat. Forward <laughs> <laughs> to that, so that's cool. Yeah, like, so it's that's some stuff we always like to whenever we've had artists, and we like to ask those things because you get so many different answers from so many different genres, and like people who uh, haven't had a chance to like talk to artists and songwriters sometimes don't realize the outside influences and not just from the genre they're playing in. It's always cool to kind of get that perspective. Cause there was one guy we had on that. It was like, you know, he sings kind of like he's into like the younger part of the Texas music scene, but it's like a little, a little more on the rock and roll side. And it was just like, it was like green day and Tom Petty. It was like, was it right up there for it? And it's like, it may not be people that, um, that you think are like big influences, but they are. So it's something we always like to ask. Um, yeah, that's cool. But, uh, so like, uh, along with, uh, would you say what's your favorite project you've put out so far? Um, well, of like your solo records, this one, of course, uh, aside from this one, um, the, the one before that I really enjoyed, I, that was called somewhere in between. And that was really a, like, that was kind of my effort of, of, of having more control. And, and I didn't produce it, but Orrin Thornton produced the record and, Orrin and I have worked together in some capacity for since I've been recording pretty much. Um, uh, he's, he engineered the shape of things. He uh, engineered all the demos that we did during those carnival years. And then he mixed this record uh, and then he produced that record. And so he and I kind of, uh, you know, we kind of think the same. And so, so that was, that was a fun record to make just because I, I feel like that, you know, I could do it everything that I wanted to do. I could do anything that I wanted to do. So I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that last record. 
So um, kind of tying it back into uh, one of the first things we talked about on here, how did how did that come about during, um, you know, uh, back a couple of years ago uh, with the Golden Saw series for uh, you and Brent to kind of get on that with with Riley Green? Man, I've known Riley for a long time. And and so, in fact, sorry, it's all good. <laughs> Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so I, I Riley. I met him through my wife's old roommate's husband. And so like he played their wedding rehearsal and, and Charles was always like, man, you got to get in the rally green. I was like, I don't know who this guy is talking about. So, <laughs> so I met him a long time ago. And, and so we have always kind of stayed in touch and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, uh, he's just always been just, you know, one of those people that's, that's, that has always kind of kept me in mind. And, and that's, it's always, it's really cool. And I had gone down there and, you know, I, I did this thing with this, uh, it's called the dark horses. And it was me and Channing Wilson and Eric Dillon and Dave Kennedy. So the four of us kind of did a writer's round. And one of the shows that we did was at the golden saw. And it was before uh, Riley started taping these things. Like he did this. And I mean, man, it's like the, all his family, they all come out there and they sit and do those things. And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't understand that people were going to watch that show, to be honest with you. And I mean, a lot of people watch that show. So it was <laughs> pretty neat. But I mean, it, I mean, you know, talk about authentic. I mean, that's as authentic as it gets. I mean, that's really like, you know, he lives he lives on the hilltop where that thing is. And his parents live there and his uncle lives back there. And I mean, it's it's pretty neat. So it was a, it was a special thing to be able to do it. Yeah, I saw that uh, when y'all did that, everybody each night that he had him on there, he always said there was a rule that everybody got one cuss word according to his grandma. <laughs> I mean, she was there, you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's not a joke. She was there. <laughs> <laughs> but now that, that was very cool. Like I said, that was one of the first times like I got to see uh, uh, like a, a video of you you performing and it, it got me more into like kind of the path down to uh like getting into your solo music. So I have to credit Riley green on that for me, like discovering your stuff. Cause I had seen your name, you know, many times yeah. through the years. And then I finally, you know, took the plunge into it. And I've, I've definitely been a big fan, but, uh, but I, I appreciate that. That's really cool to hear. I oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy, Kyle, you, you guys have any other questions? <clears throat> well, I got one. Um, if you had one cuss word to choose, what would it have been? Hail. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, in the South, hail is like a, a, a semi-cuss word. It's like when you hit like 16 or 17, it's almost passable, even for the deep Southern Baptist. <laughs> um, yeah. It's almost passable. It, it, you know, it's not the S and the F and the <laughs> couple other words down there. Um, yeah. But, you know, hail is hail's a, a, a good one to to introduce yourself with right it's not it's, it's, it's not it's not a good one to drop you know at the blue it's a good it's a good first one to drop though put it in a song about jesus on the on this record too you know what i mean so I, yeah I mean, do it i, I guess <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, <laughs> it, it works out right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun it's it's funny how you know southern old southern baptist women are <laughs> There's some interesting ladies. You you might as well just go on and, and and understand that whatever is said to you is not what what is intended to be said to you. What what they meant that you will be said to someone else as soon as you leave. It. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And 
if they ever say one of those words, boy, have you crossed a line? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you are in some some deep shit then. Yeah. <laughs> you hear old uh, older Southern Baptist woman say "damn" or "shit" or something for you to mess up. Yeah, no. Well, you know, talking about Miranda's parents, I mean, that's always been the thing. Like, you know, man, they're 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 big stickers about there's rule number one: no f bombs in this house. You know what I mean? So, like, that's yeah. What I mean. I've seen, I've had friends that kicked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one good F bomb. They're like, nah, you got to you got to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, hey, it's a it's a Southern tradition, though. It is. I agree. I agree. Oh yeah. Well, uh, the new record is "Bad Days Better." Uh, it's available on all streaming platforms. Make sure you purchase it if you if you want to do that too. Because always, uh, we try to push purchasing the record if you can, and. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, again, we take we appreciate you taking the time because, like I said, I've been a big fan of you as a songwriter, and um, the last couple of years, you as an artist for a while. So, whenever I got the opportunity to have you on the show, man, I jumped at it. I was like, I definitely would like to sit down and have a conversation with you. Well, I appreciate you guys paying attention. You know, it means a lot. It means a lot that, that you, you know, like I said, I mean, my wife, you know, she she, she played the, the 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 last thing about the review of the song, and I mean, I I, I appreciate your perspective and your opinions they're honest and they're you know it's not it's it has everything had to do with the context of the music and that's that's really i mean i can't do any better than that you know i mean try to write the best songs i can there's no there's no other strategy there's no business plan there's no theatrics there's no um nothing other than that and i i think you guys get that and you seem to encourage it and i I appreciate you doing that it really means a lot thank you oh yes sir i mean that's uh uh, that's that's some high praise that we we definitely don't deserve, but we appreciate you said the kind <laughs> words. You're right about that. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you guys too. Yes, sir. But uh, as for this episode of Country and Cold Cans, I'm Logan sitting here with trucker Andy Kyle and this week's special guest Adam Hood. All right, we'll see you next time.